Instead of like Muppet Babies, Muppet babies. Yeah. yeah, it's Guns N' Roses Babies. I like that. And they all wear cutoffs and tank tops and have rat tails. Except for Slash. Little Babies. Yeah. Baby Slash. Yeah, baby Slash has a little top hat. I bet you Baby Slash would have the top hat and everything, but also a pacifier. I just feel like the volume. Right. He'd be like, fuck. Yeah, he doesn't talk. Gonzo anyway. would be Baby Slash, right? Oh, I don't think we get the Muppets. I think we're just oh. babifying oh, Guns okay. N' Roses. Okay. I I like that idea too, though, because yeah. Slash does have a p- pretty big nose. Big nose. Yeah. Who's oh. Axel? Oh, Animal. Duh. What? What are you... Is it... Slash Jewish? Is yeah. What <laughs> oh. I have no idea. Maybe. Maybe I'm thinking of all of Kiss instead. Gene Simmons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the others. Ace Freely? Oh, yeah, he is. Right? Mm. Okay. He well. is, though. Mm. Who else? Okay. Can I didn't can think name? about that. Also British. Oh, he's... Slash. Jubrit. Did not know that. You know that what? Is... Gonzo doesn't need to play Slash. Okay, I don't know where that came from. I don't know who said that, but they should probably be canceled. I'm... It was me. Cancel me. <laughs> oh, look. The Slash is a baby. There's the actual GNR baby. Oh. That's adorable. Oh, that's, that's more uh-huh. of like a Fozzie bear. That is definitely a Fozzie Sweet bear. Fozzie bear. Oh. Little baby Slash. I want to see them all now. Does Wikipedia have all the guns and Waka Waka. Baby kids. Ba- the what? Baby, baby kids. Baby kids. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many people care about Kiss's children? Kiss's oh, children. Oh, well, Gene Simmons had a whole fucking TV show on <clears throat> VH1. Well, yeah, <laughs> duh. I remember so, that. I give a shit about his kids. Is that what we're going to talk name about? Them. Is that definitely watched it? Is right. that Family Jewels? Was that Jewels? Family <laughs> Jewels. I thought it was like Gene Simmons Family oh, yes. Jewels or something. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. I, I don't know what I thought. I don't know. Oh, there's either. baby Axel. He's a troublemaker. Let me let me see him. He's, he looks like he, he looks uses like a slingshot. High school with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Who's the? He can. <laughs> we'll just throw in the kid from Toy Story. Oh yeah, Sid, seriously, Sid. Sid. Yeah. I want to know who spent the time to dig up baby pictures of Guns N' Roses members and put them on Wikipedia because this is remarkably the people complete. who build Wikipedia. Like the individual humans that go in there and update shit. The fuck are you doing with your life? I don't know. But also, thank you for the information. I use it all the time. I do too. Seriously, Duff Duff doesn't have a baby picture. Come on, guys. Get with it. I want to know what Duff looked like. Duff. Duff. Where's Izzy? That's all I can think of. No Izzy? No Duff, no Izzy, no no Hizzy. That's what I say. What the did I just say? Classic saying. <laughs> Karina's gonna come take your homes, Guns <laughs> and Roses. Oh, is that what I said? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, maybe. All of your three bedrooms <laughs> gone. <laughs> Welcome to Weird Brunch. I'm Gene Simmons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't like any of them. Who do I have to be? Duff McKagan's a great name. Oh, I'll be Duff. Yeah, I'm Duff McKagan. Slash. I'm. Am I Slash? Well, who's the other one? Izzy. Oh, 
You said Gene Simmons. Oh, I did. Yeah. Well, I'm the one, the guy. What's his name? And I'm Jack Osborne. Yeah. Okay, there we go. That's a good. That's really good. Tie the room together with that Eesh. rug. Man, I feel Eesh. a little, uh, feel a little like not up to par here. <laughs> I mean, you can always change your name. No, I can't do you don't that. You have to stick with Duff. I, I can't gave you do Duff. that to Duff. This is maybe the only thing Duff's got. <laughs> You're keeping That's Duff true. alive right now. Seriously, it's like Tinkerbell. Can we tag Duff McKagan in this when oh, we look? Oh, please, please do. Because if anyone's looking for just his name on Twitter, I, it's... I mean, Kiss is still playing arenas. Like they're coming. But this to is the Guns N' Roses. Guns N' oh, Roses. Oh, sorry. Well, they just played ACL. Yeah. But still, they're touring with Poison, I think, or no, Motley Crue. Guns N' Roses and Motley Crue are touring. As a co-headliner, they would have to be. Yeah, with Pat Benatar. Man, there's so many... Pat like, Benatar and Neil Giraldo, they don't go separately. Oh, wow. I will say that. Okay. There's going to be so many like early 60-year-old women that are like, Coke could probably be fine again. And then... <laughs> and then they realize that it is. Yeah, as long as it's <laughs> Coke Zero. It. Jeez. <laughs> I, I would, but my diabetes. <laughs> oh, man. Does it's diabetes not work with cocaine? I, I don't know. Well, you know. Uh, I'm sure. Probably not. I know a couple people who have diabetes and do it, and they seem fine. I don't know why diabetes would be affected by cocaine. I just, I just I said a, a thing. What? I just said diabetes. Oh, I was like, what'd just, you say? I just said some things, too. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're, we're here to do. Say, say some, things. Say some things. Karina, say things. Okay. Let's get this show on the road. Well, I want to talk about Marion Stokes. I'm stoked about it. She was born... Just, yeah, ignore that one. Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> uh, she was born in Philadelphia uh, on Thanksgiving Day 1929 and was raised up during the Depression and lived in Philly her entire life. Uh, she was a librarian once she graduated from school and she, she held that job down for like a good... 10, 12 years until she was fired in 1960 for being a big old communist. Uh-oh. Which sounds like, oh, a victim of the Red Scare, but she was indeed a big old communist. That doesn't mean she should have been fired. I'm just saying it wasn't like sure. a false accusation. She was a huge activist, especially, uh, and she dedicated herself to the civil rights movement during the 60s. She started a kind of local television show on like public access style TV, but this is like nice. a little bit before public access was mm -hmm. like a thing because there's no cable networks. So she just started and produced her own local talk show um, where she covered all sorts of progressive and civil rights issues. Uh, she organized boycotts. She was active. She went on some of the mo more famous marches and stuff at the time. Um, just a really big, well-known person and personality in Philly throughout the 60s. She met her husband, John Stokes Jr., because he was a producer for her show and bankrolled it and would often get on the air and debate with her. And, like, they had chemistry. They had sparks. Like, they mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. really Cute. liked talking to each other. And Communist love. And they were just a delightful uh, couple. Uh, he, this was uh, his second marriage. He had, uh, a son or daughter from a previous marriage. Um, and this was her second marriage as well. 
Uh, she was married to somebody named Metalitz before this, and she had a son, Michael. So they were like a blended kind of mini Brady Bunch family. Mm-hmm. She was black. He was white. That's ah, relevant. Very progressive. Um, yeah. So like this is big in the 60s. You can imagine the kind of shit that oh, was thrown at her. Interracial communist family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, very active in the civil rights movement. Very outspoken yes. and on television oh and out gosh. there with their name and everything. Plus they have money. Right. Okay. Oh, good so, for them. Yeah. Um, she... Uh, slowly starts to retreat from the public eye she just can't the 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 pressure and the um all of it yeah everybody just kind of knowing all of her business was getting to her well and i'm sure everybody's like pissed at her and you know tweeting at her everybody's angry at her all the time right gotta get offline girl so uh she starts staying more and more at home and she uh as a librarian and you know, somebody who was a member of the news media has like a strong passion for the news. She watches the news every day um, and she subscribes like eight newspapers and tons of magazines and she reads them all every day and she just loves consuming the news and staying up on current events. Mm-hmm. And then like mid 70s is when 24 hour news started somewhere mm-hmm. in there. It was like CNN and all those. She's right. Like, this is my shit. This is my shit. And uh, in 1977, the Iran hostage crisis happened, Mm -hmm. and she was so transfixed by that unfolding story that she ran out and she got a VCR and she just started taping different news broadcasts so that she could watch all the different angles and all that stuff. Um, And that kicked off a 35-year vocation of videotaping every news broadcast <gasps> all the time mm-hmm. 24 hours a day yes um so she bought more televisions she bought more vcrs she got six hour tapes she'd put them in at night she'd sleep for five hours and 45 minutes she'd wake up she'd flip the tapes she would do up to five hour and 45 minute like outings every day if they were out at dinner they would cut dinner short to go home and flip oh the tapes God. the tape like flipping the tapes was like a major part of her family's life. Like every six hours, the tapes had to be flipped she in the kids? house. She had the just the one kid, Michael, from her previous marriage. Okay. Is Michael old enough to flip the tape? He, well, one, flip the tape, or two, like not be a part of this uh, horrific lifestyle. He is very much a part of it. And uh, we'll get to Michael and his feelings later. But yeah, so like this is her, it's her whole life. The tapes, what does she do with them? She can't watch them. She's taping everything all the time. She was taping Fox, MSNBC, CNN, C-SPAN, CNBC, and local networks. Okay. 24 hours a day. Um, so the tapes started to accumulate. Uh, she would try to sneak them out at non-auspicious times so that it's, you know, random guests and friends wouldn't quite know the extent of what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they had at one point towards the end of her life, 11 apartments in Philadelphia that were full of of VHS tapes. This is such a fire house. Why didn't she? Yeah, it really is. She also kept every magazine and newspaper that she received at the house. And she also kept, um, every, she went out and she just, she didn't use computers at all. Mm Mm-hmm. But for some reason, she became enamored with what computers could do in personal computing. And she went and she bought every new Macintosh computer when it came out and just kept it in the box in her homes. Oh, that is worth millions. Extreme hoarding. Yeah. So just a total hoarder. 
but specifically but kind of, of worth it. anything news media, mm-hmm. right? So she did this until she died in 2012 at the age of 83. Uh, towards the end of her life, she was a little too frail to do all this tape switching by herself. So she hired and trained a young man named Frank to I help her. I thought you were going to say a drunk Thanks, monkey. Thanks, Frank. Yeah, Frank. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Oh, my God. I would love another drunk monkey story. Uh, at her death, um, uh, they were like, well, what do we do? We've got yeah. 11 apartments full. <laughs> I would be like, just take it. I don't I don't want to deal with this shit. Of videotapes. Um, this is a, is a really weird detail. Um, her son, Michael, describes like on the day she died, December 14th, 2012, they just let the tape stop for the first time in <gasps> 35 years. Whoa. They didn't switch the tapes and the sound of all those machines no longer worrying because she never upgraded from VHS. Just- which is like suddenly a peace had come over, come over the entire house that it had never known. Yeah. And it was like this huge relief. Yeah. The news story that was playing on every single channel when the tape stopped was the breaking news story of the Sandy Hook massacre. <gasps> That's the day she died. Oh. Yeah. So she went that, from Alex the Jones. Iran hostage crisis to the Sandy Hook massacre. Like those mm-hmm. are the literal bookends of her collection. Jeez. 71,716 tapes were oh, tallied, God. each holding um, 10 hours of footage because on slow play, a six-hour tape gets 10 hours. Mm-hmm. So that's 717,000 hours of news broadcasts that the stations themselves did not archive. So wow. this is the only archive we have of what happened every day in America, according to the television which is what everybody watched. So it's extremely important. And uh, they weren't sure what to do with it in the estate. They sold the Mac collection to some anonymous buyer for, I'm sure, a nice chunk of change. But again, the family has plenty of money. Yeah. And they weren't hard up for money. Um, And so they decided to donate this collection to the Internet Archive, archive archive.org. Took it on. Moving physically moving the tapes from Philadelphia to San Francisco cost sixteen thousand dollars. Holy shit! It was shit. three shipping containers full of VHS right. tapes, and they're going to digitize the volumes. Uh, it's going to run completely around the clock with volunteers with twenty digitizing machines. It's going to take four or five years to do, and it's going to cost about two million dollars to digitize wow. all these archives. But when they're done. You'll be able to look up yeah. any event in American history from the last quarter in the first part. That of the... made any type of national news. Yeah. And it'll and even see local. what people said about it and who was interviewed and all that stuff. So it's huge. Um, this caught the attention. I, I found this picture of her with a martini and she looks so cool. Oh, yeah. She oh looks super God. cool. Like, I love her. So she seems like a total badass. Yeah. yeah. Like she's like. I'm drinking this, bitch. <laughs> it's my martini. She also accumulated thirty to 40,000 books. Um, she like, just liked media. She, yeah, just anything that would like have information in it. So this caught the attention of a, of a guy named Matt Wolf, who was fascinated with it and um, befriended Michael, the son, and got his permission and agreement to tell her story. Mm-hmm. And he made a documentary called Recorder, uh, the Marion Stokes Project. Um, it premiered this year, uh, 2019 at Tribeca. It's an incredibly weird documentary. Mm-hmm. It is a, such a sad story. Aww. This 
incredible project that is one of the more valuable things anybody you know could have done in terms of archiving our history um came at the cost of completely neglecting her son apparently she terrorized her husband like if she found out he was seeing his daughter from the previous marriage she would just like totally terrorize him um and like was just kind of a crazy woman i hate to say it but like that's sort of what she and like really difficult to live with and kind of at the whatever this was it came at the expense of these people right that really comes across in the documentary the sun just seems hollowed out like yeah exactly um but yeah that's out there and uh the next closest collection of tapes was like in the hundreds so it's just like incredible <laughs> right it's it's an incredible um resource that everybody can't wait until it's done and is out there online and because she recorded it all on vhs under uh second use or whatever the law is it's mm-hmm. not subject to copyright huh. um so the paley center has a bunch of footage but you have to go there and like only watch it at the library and they can't digitize it because they got it through the news organizations who retained copyright mm-hmm. over the footage and were lending it to the library. Right. These are just essentially legally taken. Yeah. Yeah. So that's wild. Yeah. That is Marion Stokes. That's insane. Marian yeah. Stokes. There's no, um, rhyme or reason to the tape collection by the way they have to not, in addition to digitizing it jesus out what the hell, which channel it was I mean, what I'm day sure. it was and which can't be no, that I'm hard mad at but her. Well, yeah you've just got so much shit going all all on at once just flipping how the do tapes you, yeah it's got to be how often is that fracking six you're five? living on a constant countdown four times a day yeah flipping the tapes on eight televisions says 32 tapes you're flipping four times a day mm-hmm. every day seven days a week for 35 it's years like, it's like having a puppy when they had to reset the thing mm-hmm. every time or mm-hmm. whatever no i didn't i, I couldn't i, I, I got like to... the first couple seasons and then the mary from lord of the rings died in it and i was like i'm done and well I'm going to go next. Okay. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's do this. Um, so mine isn't as fun as Karina's. It's kind of sad, but it's not that sad. It's, it's It could be worse. Keep listening. It could be worse. So um, yeah, let's do this. There's this 22-year-old piece of shit. Um, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, start. what 22-year-old isn't, yeah. though? His name is Jake Patterson. I hate him um, He was a piece of shit. He couldn't hack it in the Marines, got discharged um, following high school, bounced around in northwestern Wisconsin, held a bunch of different jobs, sometimes only for days, And most of the time they were at local factories and processing plants. He fucking sucks. So um, it's just a day. He is driving around um, Jake and he sees this girl getting out or boarding a school bus. 
And he's like, okay. this is the girl. Little did they know. Okay. Poor Jamie Kloss. This is the girl that he's looking at. She's 13 at the time. This is October 15th, 2018. Oh. So very recent. Okay. Um, Jamie was, or she lived in Barron, Wisconsin. And yeah, she was just like a happy, she was an only child. She had two parents living in Wisconsin, being a middle schooler. Um, <laughs> I know you said happy, but come on. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, whatever. She's happy. I'm sticking with it. Uh, so... <laughs> Sorry. Um, I keep forgetting his first name. Jake. Jake. Jake is obsessing over this girl that he just randomly sees. For two weeks, he starts planning out what he's going to do to get this girl. And he's like, all right, I got it. I'm going to take my dad's shotgun. I'm going to figure out where she lives. I'm going to go into her house, break in, kill her parents, and steal her. Oh, that Jake, makes sense. Roses would have been fine. Yeah, mm. but, you know. 13-year-olds do wild mm. things. So, Kids on, do the darndest Have things. you seen the movie 13, Jake? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... October 5th, 2018, I will not say 2018 or whatever, um, he, Jake, drives to her house to kidnap her, but he gets deterred because there is activity around the home and he didn't want people to see it. He makes a second attempt two days later, but again, too many people around. He chickens out again. Then on October 15th, 2018 his third visit he comes with a shotgun and that's when shit gets real and dedicated though hmm. yeah third time's a charm i like the stick to it in this on the He's night hired. on the night of the abduction the family's dog starts barking jamie was asleep and she's like why is the dog barking? And then her mom comes up and she's like, we need to hide. This man is pulled into the driveway and he has a gun and the dad goes downstairs. Jamie and her mom are in the bathroom with the shower curtain drawn and they hear the door get blasted in and they hear a fucking gunshot and Jake just killed her dad, shot him in the face. He then comes upstairs. He like tapes around her Jamie's mouth and around her head and tapes her hands together behind their back, her back and tapes her ankles together. And then he shoots her mother in the head oh next my to her God. in the wow. bathtub. Okay. He drags Jamie outside and throws her in the trunk of his car. And drives to his cabin, which Ugh. is Wisconsin um, in your cabins. Yeah, it's about well, her house is ninety mile. It's barren, Wisconsin, which is kind of um, well, this says ninety miles northeast of Minneapolis. But um, okay. yeah, so so it's like close to the water. I have no idea, Karina. Minneapolis? 90 miles away from it in Wisconsin. Towards the east. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of lakes in that area. Yeah. Land of of something. So, 
Yeah. There's butter. Land of something. Land of just butter puddles. Um, butter puddles. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 that's cute. I'm going to name my next dog Butter oh, Puddles. So his cabin is about 60 miles away, like an hour away from her house. Um, as he's leaving the house, driving away, at some point they had had her... Jamie's mom had had a chance to like call the cops before they got through the front door or he got through the front door Mm -hmm. and it's like this frantic call. They can't really get anything that she's saying, but they send police out. Um, So as he's leaving with Jamie in the trunk of his car, (laughs) he passes a cop car but the cops don't know what they're coming into yet. So they don't don't look for anything. They don't pull him over or anything. Um, Jake didn't know the Klaus family other than seeing her that one time. He didn't have any other criminal record. Um, and he had just, he told cops that when he saw her, he knew he fucking had to have her. And he said, if it hadn't been her, it would have been another girl. Ew. So, oh, so please throw me away for disgusting. a long time. Yeah. So they drive. He drives his Ford Taurus, red Ford Taurus, all the way out to his shitty fucking cabin. <laughs> um, and that's where he keeps Jamie in captivity. She's there for eighty-eight days, alive. He's keeping her alive. She hides under his twin bed surrounded by weighted bins that I think she could get out of, but she was so terrified of him that she never didn't really try. Tried. Yeah. So they he thought and he never fully had to restrain her. He said he never put extra locks on the doors or windows because he knew she would never leave because quote, I know that she was just fucking terrified of me. We got to look at, I just Googled him. God uh, yeah. damn. I of just course he trusted did. her and that or I just trusted her and that she wouldn't try to get out. So okay. while she's being held captive here, like at night, he would sleep in the same bed as her. Like, she had to sleep with him Ugh. like that. They would play games together when he got bored. He would have people over to his house. Like, he had a Christmas gathering at his house. And she had to stay upstairs. And he turned up, like, the radio really loud so nobody could hear her. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. So, she's being held captive um the one thing about it is that he did not have sex with her or i guess he didn't rape her because he said he felt too guilty about killing her parents that he couldn't go through with it despite having sexual thoughts about her i just can't stop thinking about your dead parents when i um, get down to it what a sad clown. yeah so 88 days in jamie is like i'm fucking done and she ends up escaping 
and she runs out to the street. 88 days. Yeah, 88 fucking days. She's got stick to it. Yeah. Um, And she runs out into the street and finds a woman walking her dog. And the woman happened to be a um, social worker. And she's like, oh, my God. And they call the fucking they call the cops. The cops immediately are coming. And by this point, Jake has realized that she has, in fact, escaped. Ha ha. Fuck you. Um, And he is like driving out to leave and they find him and pull him over. And like the second the cop comes up to the window, the guy's like, I know why you pulled me over. And he's like, I did it. And so they take him into custody. And Jake was sentenced to life in prison because he fucking murdered two people on top of kidnapping a 13 year old girl and holding her hostage for 88 days. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And he's just a piece of shit. And he also looks like a piece of shit. Also, keep in mind when you do end up looking up his picture, he's like fucking 23 years old. He looks 40. 40. Mm. He's just not attractive and just ugh, I just fucking hate him. But I am just I'm happy that Jamie made it out because I feel like that doesn't happen. The case is also super rare because it's really rare that a random person kidnaps mm-hmm. somebody. Mm-hmm. It's usually a family member, or a friend of the family. It's very rare that Connected it's Connected in some way. Yeah. And Jamie was just wrong place, wrong time for him to be like, oh, that's the girl I'm going to kidnap and make my slave. So. Yike. Don't take the bus. What, what's she, what, what's she doing now? She's living with her aunt and is getting through things. She says she's becoming stronger every day, but I mean, I don't know how you can fully go back to normal after having your parents killed, like basically right in front of you and being Well, I mean, she's obviously going to go to a midsummer festival in Norway. Oh, ha. That's the only move from here. Oh, yeah. I forgot. No spoilers. Or I guess you haven't said any. Midsummer is a great movie, though. See Mm -hmm. it. I get it now. I just made some inferences. And I'm probably motherfucking right. Mm. Mm. I don't think you are. I don't know that I can watch it. Yeah, you can. You can. You should. Yeah. You'd like it. It's real good. Also, Frances Pugh. She's like my new favorite. She is my new favorite. She has the best voice in the world. I love her. And she sings in that one. Whitney Mm -hmm. was trying to tell me who she was the other day. Mm -hmm. And she kept saying, and this, and this, and this. uh, She's in Little Women. She's in uh, Midsummer. And I was like, uh, uh, Black uh, Widow. She said the Black Widow trailer. I was like, oh, yeah, that that two minute thing. I know who you're talking about. Checks out. The short blonde with the dark voice. Yeah. yeah. She's like Scarlett Johansson, deep voice, but even deeper. Deeper. She's got one of the deepest. Yeah. yeah it's beautiful. Mm. Hmm. I want to go see Little Women now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Little Women, um, <laughs> I want to talk about Oneida. What? How is that spelled? O N E I D A. Oh, the city. Uh, kind of, yeah. Oh, um, the city thing the community the community okay um i don't know 
So during the Victorian era, this is around um, 1841 where this uh, community starts. Um, So, you know, everyone knows Victoria era is like, cover those ankles, bitch. Don't look that man in the face or he owns you. Button that collar up. Mm -hmm. Y'all better be praying when you're eating. Um, (laughs) Get out of my inn. I don't know. Um, Get out of my inn? Yeah. So this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You were nailing it till then. So, um, <laughs> well, if you don't pray, get out of my inn. Okay. So uh, this dude named John Humphrey Noyes, um, he was born in 1811, mm-hmm. and he was born to John Noyes, who was like kind of a, a renaissance man of the, the american dream like he was a minister then he was a teacher then he was a businessman then he was a member of the u.s house of representatives what the fuck ever Dang. and then uh john's mom was uh polly original name hayes um and she was actually the aunt to rutherford b hayes oh so he this guy is a cousin of our 19th president Wow, that guy got around. He was in another... Didn't we do something weird about... Didn't his brother get stuck in a chimney at a crematorium? Did I do that story? Maybe. Oh, yeah. That happened too. Rutherford. At an ice cream factory? (laughs) Yep. Well, goddamn. That's what they call it. Well, goddamn. Crematorium wonderporium. So, uh, yeah, this dude, John, he gets really religious um he goes into yale theological seminary um devotes his more time to bible study this guy's really into it well in uh 1841 he creates this community that uh you know really he's basing it in in religion um but it's a group of men and women who come together, live communally, uh, and, you know, they're all going to listen to Noyes. It's a cult. Um, so they settle in Oneida, New York, um, and it's ha- it, at its highest part, it had 300 members, which is kind of a lot in that time. There weren't as many people. Um, World War II hadn't happened. <laughs> boomers. Uh, okay, boomers. <laughs> So one, this was one of many, it's called utopian communities. Uh, So during 19th century America, there were multiple communities of people trying to be like, let's create like the ideal, Mm -hmm. the ideal society. Um, I think that's just, you know, generally where everyone's brain was um, because the Victorian. They can now. Let's do it. (laughs) What? Oh, we can now. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. I mean, sort of. Um, so they were, they became notorious for their views on sex. (laughs) Say more on sex. I will. Um, (laughs) so they believed that the act of sex purified the body and made it healthy. And the more you had it, the closer you came to immortality. Whoa. Casanova. This was also where we start hearing about, uh, something called quote, complex marriage. Um, which we know now as everyone's favorite thing, polygamy. Um, I'm Polly. So uh, every woman was more or less married to every man in the community, so they did it that way instead of like, no one's married. They're like, everyone's married. Does that feel better? 
Um, I feel like it is a little better than like the man has 50 wives yeah. and they only fuck him. Yeah. No, and it's way like better everyone than Everyone fucks everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's got like it. a... It's like a hippie commune. It's like an improv theater. Um, <laughs> zing. Zing. Got him. Um, so this one member, uh, Tirza Miller, she kept a journal that detailed her life in the community and it... <laughs> In 1879, on one single day, she had sex with three different men, which is fucking unheard of for almost any other woman in 1879, unless you were uh, being paid for it. Let's see. Also, pop quiz. Yeah. What's the, what's your, like, have you ever had sex with more than one person in one day? And if so, how many? Mine's two. I'll go first. Well, but does it have to be at several times? Uh, hold on. What does it say? Oh, Three different men. Does it have to be at separate times? Yeah, let's say separate times. Oh, yeah. No. Just to, like suit this narrative. One. No. Sick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> Whitney, we gotta go to get a drink. Um. The communities views on women were seen as very radical as well. Um, John Noyes, he was very aware of the, like what repeated pregnancies, like what, what that can do to your life as a woman. Mm-hmm. His wife had multiple difficult pregnancies and miscarriages before when Ida even began. So he, he, or the group, he um, gave women the choice of having children or not, uh, which is, insane in that time period uh he felt that women did not have to be burdened by pregnancy or doomed to a life of domestic labor oh <laughs> thank thanks. you john very yeah, nice yeah what a he's very nice they also were allowed to cut their hair and dress in bloomers and pants so if you wanted to be um a human woman you wanted to be here mostly uh <laughs> so here we go uh sex education was a big part of it since it was you know free love they took the act and art of sex very seriously so they took it very seriously in a very different way than everyone else uh younger members were initiated in the act of sex by older members oh no with age comes experience mentorship Uh, program oh gross Postmenopausal women mentored adolescent males. Gross. Can you fucking imagine being like 60 and being like, no, do this with your mouth. <laughs> um, uh, but that was just so that the woman wouldn't get pregnant while the. But if she's postmenopausal, why does it matter? Well, that's why they assigned oh, why postmenopausal. They yeah. It. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Because the young men were learning control at the mm, time. Mm-hmm. So. Uh oh. Um, and also, Noyes himself took up the task of mentoring young women around the age oh, of twelve. How nice of wow, way to take one for Such the team. Good, but Gross. they could cut their hair. Well, good. They better. Yeah. That's I've, what he's. I don't know. <laughs> That's I when bangs know. were invented. <laughs> I'm dealing with trauma. I don't know what it is. I need bangs. Um, oh, that kind of bangs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Religion was also central to the community. Uh, when Ida was, again, like, based in religion, right? Like, love, 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 love. 
members initially came there because they were in search of a lifestyle that might perfect their souls and bring them closer to God. Uh, he, Noyes believed that the second coming of Christ had already occurred. This is convenient. Mm-hmm. And that event had made all men and women free from sin. Oh, easy. That's nice. What a great, yeah, what Build a great it life. back up again, huh? Yeah. Uh, so the communalism at the heart of Oneida was meant to be kind of an imitation of God's love. Uh, each individual was to love everyone else equally, hence all the sex, just hmm. like God. Um, members also perfected a particular method of sex that maybe you may be familiar with. Um, so since it was used to cultivate social intimacy rather than procreate, uh, there was an advocation of a method now known as uh, pulling out, then known as withdrawal. Um, well, it wasn't known as that either, but I pulling out is how you fucking, that's what it is. That okay. is, yeah. Withdrawal, get out of here. Yeah, um, the, the scientific terms. Where am I, the gynecologist? He, he pulls out. out, suck my dick. Um, <laughs> so this prevented... Never tell your gynecologist <laughs> to suck your dick. That's just a, that's a tip from me to you. They don't like it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um... So this prevented pregnancies and saved women from all that shit. But also male sexual energy was supposed to be directed exclusively towards heterosexual intercourse, meaning no masturbating. Since we're pulling out, yeah, use that pussy. Mm. Uh. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. The community also made criticism public. Ugh. they intended to perfect the body and souls of its members, and that meant doling out constructive criticism. So the community often regularly had an official meeting where members would critique one another. <laughs> These were known as cures. <laughs> Basically, everyone was like, um, you don't wear enough deodorant, so <laughs> maybe lock it up. The hope was that like you'd hear all these things that people are <laughs> talking shit about you to your face and then you'd be like oh okay i'll change this yeah and mm. also it would relieve social pressure so instead of thinking that people are talking shit behind your back they're saying it to your face so like when you see them in the sex party later that night you're like hey thanks for being straight up with me let's do smell it smell my pits they're great now yeah, yeah you want to fuck my Put some rose hip oil on it <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it deodorant. Mm? They also took perfectionism to a whole new level. Um, so it was founded f- to like help these people realize their perfection, uh, thus bringing them closer to God. Uh, it was a utopian community, and it attempted to idealize, perfect social uh, society based on equality, self-control, and productivity. Right. So they were really just obsessed with being perfect uh and this kind of falls in line with uh transcendentalism Mm -hmm. which was huge in the 19th uh, century and you know again if you achieve perfection you become closer to god which is so far away it's just well that's also just so far away from like any christian beliefs Hmm. at all um they also in doing that uh, attempted to create perfect human beings through a oh breeding breeding program yeah. um yeah. so the requirements 
because the requirements for sex were to free women of this, like if you, it was still necessary for babies to be conceived and born because otherwise, how are we going to keep this insane shit going? So he implemented this breeding program called the Sturpiculture. Oh, I did that okay. Sturpiculture. Sounds right to me. And so he would kind of be like, yeah, you're hot. You're hot. Y'all make a baby. Sick. <laughs> um, yeah, like a real, it's basically blunt eugenics. I was about to say eugenics. Yeah. Um, when those babies, like when the people who decided to be parents were then paired with another parent that they could have sex with and have a child with, the... Uh, they were not raising these children alone um, because, again, he's like, oh, the burden of it's fucking communal. communally raising their children. So once a child could walk, they were placed in a common nursery where parents could visit them. The emphasis on community and social love meant parents could not show any favoritism towards their own children or they, they risked the lose the uh, they risk losing the privilege of seeing them. Oh, okay. so you'd have to go in there and be like, Charlie. Sarah, Danielle, I love you the most, but I can't say it. Right. <laughs> um, which, like, again, all of this is in, like, the 1840s, 1850s. And this shit is just dead in line with all of the, like, 50s, 60s, 70s mm-hmm. explosion Free of shit. Love movement. Yeah. Um, so they also, perhaps you've heard of this. They had to sustain themselves somehow. So members took up various industries and trades, um, creating the Oneida Company. Is that close to Oreida, like the potatoes? (laughs) No, it's uh, Oneida. It's kind of expensive uh, silverware now. Oh, okay. But Mm. at the time, they also had uh, animal trapping, silking, or silk, uh, and canning. Okay. But also the silverware. Uh, so that was in 1879. The community was also built on ideas of equality. So, uh, you know, after the Industrial Revolution, social equality and economic opportunity intensified. Uh, and the Oneida Company provided, or community, provided one answer to those concerns. Everyone's equal, right? So we're getting a little socialist. Yep. Uh Everyone rotated jobs, wore the same clothes, shared responsibility of the children born in the community. It, it's just funny. The more you read this, the more you're like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. all of these documentaries I've watched, but you yeah. can't see footage of this. Bummer. <laughs> um, so in 1879, uh, guess who runs off to Canada? Um, so basically everybody outside, like, People are starting to pick up on what's going on. We've got kids that are getting sexed upon, preyed upon. Mm-hmm. Shit, you know, this shit's fucked up. So everybody from the outside, especially in Victorian America, is like, just we're, we're gonna set your ass on. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Burn the witches. Yeah. So um, it lasted around thirty years, and then uh, Noyes goes to Canada. Before he goes to Canada, aside from the exterior, like fuck you, this is bullshit. Within the commune, there's like a debate going on about when children should be initiated into sex and by whom, right? Because a lot of the founding members are 
very old or dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then the younger I would hope the dead, dead ones guys, would disqualify. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, so at that point, like some of the ones that were like either started really young or had been born into this already and were like having their own children, they were like their active rebellion towards their parents were like, well, we just want to be married to one person. Can that happen? Right. Oh, wow. Can we um, just go back to the normal time? Yeah. Radical monogamy. Yeah. 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 Um, so then Noyes was like, he tried to pass it off to his son, but his son was a, an agnostic and also just like, I, I, Dad, I don't, I don't care. I, I don't want to leave this. What do you want me to do? These are your business. gross friends, and I just want to <laughs> hang out at the yeah. TCBY. Oh, my God. I want yogurt now. Um, Fuck frozen yogurt. <laughs> So he also... Um, there was a whole episode. Don't just, get me started. Okay. It <laughs> just flashed before my eyes yes. between the, the frozen yogurt debate. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. So um, well, he goes to Canada because there's charges against him for statutory rape, uh, rightly so. Mm. And after he left, he very quickly encouraged remaining members to quit the program and find a new occupation. Mm. And they were probably, my assumption, I tried to find something about it, but I could not. But uh, my assumption is that they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. We're on that. Like, we are already coupled up. Like, all of the people that were left kind of, like, found who they wanted to be with in a traditional marriage sense. Marriage sense. And, uh, they did, you know, hooked up there and then just kind of dispersed. Yeah. Um, the last original member of the community, Ella Florence Underwear. 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 God damn it. <laughs> Ella Florence Underwear. We literally know what I was saying. And I'm not going to say her real name now because she doesn't I deserve it. I love it. But that bitch lived to be 100. She, uh, <laughs> she, yeah, 1850 to 1950. She died on June 25th. 1950 in Kenwood, New York, hmm. right next to Oneida, New York. Oh, I thought she was. I think I say right next to the bodies of three dead men. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Okay, just like a really weird old ass cult that just kind of touches all the cult parts. <laughs> yeah. God, I think the lesson this time is parenting is hard. Mm. <laughs> Being a kid is hard. Being a kid is hard. Mm-hmm. Families. Sex makes you immortal. That's what I'm taking mm-hmm. away from oh, it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. That's how we reach immortality. Mm-hmm. Everyone remember. And that's it. Because we got to go. Keep listening forever. Yeah. Listen forever. Whatever. Bye. <laughs>